If Tucker would have read Marx, he would have understood the concept of the surplus value of labor. And so, yes, we can pay your ass millions of dollars so long as you're not getting us sued for tens of millions yes. um, by your ex-producer. And yeah, you are just a worker. You just work there. You're a valuable worker. But once you, you know, you create the circumstances that allow for a massive lawsuit to come um, come your way. Yeah, you right. put yourself at risk and you make yourself vulnerable. Good people, welcome to the Bituation Room show. I'm so happy to have you here, uh, here in the future, here in the present, here, hopefully not living in the past, you know what I'm saying? Just like move on, um, you know, move forward, uh, just like Rupert Murdoch will. Um, very excited. It's going to be a good show. It's going to, we're, we're going to break down a lot of things. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about Tucker Carlson and we're going to talk about the Teamsters who may be going on strike in the summer depending on an upcoming contract negotiation with UPS. And so Alex Press of Jacobin Magazine is going to be here talking to us about that. Um, she's been covering it extensively, so super excited to have her on. And then for the rest of the show, Wozni Lombre is on, y'all. So that's all you need to know. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. We're talking Tucker, uh, what happened. And then we're going to look at someone's running for president. <laughs> I didn't mean to talk it started like that. Someone running for president again. Uh, and that is not his speech impediment. It's a different one. Uh, yes, uh, President Biden is running for re-election. So let's look at uh, how he's doing it. How he's going to convince us all to once again vote for the lesser of two evils. Welcome to America. Um, so... If you're here, you know what to do. You got to like, you got to share the stream. You got to subscribe on Twitch. Um, you have to give this podcast five stars because it truly helps people discover this tiny labor of love, this little sort of, you know, um, little corn dog with a corn dog. I don't know why I thought of a corn dog. It just sounded yummy to me at this point. Have I had lunch? No. Um, I hope you have. But uh, yeah, so write this podcast five stars on iTunes. It super helps. Um, Diany30 uh, left a really sweet review, said proud to proud to be part of the Frantifa. Look forward to a show every week and Franny's take on the crazy pants world we live in. That's sweet. Um, Dina Takuri, some of you know her. I'm trying to get her on the goddamn show uh, of AJ+. She used to call me Franny Pants. So uh, it reminded me of that when you said crazy pants. She called me Franny Pants. I don't know why. I don't really have, I don't have like a certain pants style, but uh, I aim at some point to have that uh bt dubs you guys know that this is not the only show of the bituation room there is a friday bonus bish that means there was was a friday bonus bish last friday that you can get access to if you become a patron right now you can get it into your ears as a podcast you can watch back on youtube or on the patreon platform itself we stream live for everyone same time on fridays 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern but then if you want to watch back Become a, a patron, patreon.com slash bituation room, or you can become a YouTube member. Also super fine. They take a little bit of a cut, bigger of a cut, not going to lie. Um, but there's in addition to that, um, which by the way, last week we talked a lot about Daniel Ellsberg 
who has terminal cancer and is not treating it. And so he's just kind of riding out on his incredible legacy. Um, we talked about uh, Daniel Ellsberg. We talked about, um, what did we talk about? A little bit about media and jobs and media going away. We also talked about Victoria Jackson of SNL losing her goddamn mind. Um, so it was super fun. Every single week is great. So please, you, there's so many perks uh, of to being a patron. One of those perks is discounts on merch. That is good for one time only. I want people to know that. Sadly, I can't afford more than that, but it is 20% off and all this merch is union made and I'm not making a lot of money, <laughs> but I may have to adjust prices. Inflation's real y'all. No, but, and I'm going to be looking into doing beanies, maybe some kind of fanny pack situation for any pack. Of course, the other thing you get is access to the American prospect, a deep discount as a, a, a magazine. So $24 a month, or excuse me, $24 a year. Um, for six issues. And then you also get access to the online version. Now, if you become a patron, your name, your email is going to be entered. And so they're like figuring it out. I know there's been some question. You can still access it. This just doesn't have any like pop-ups or paywalls. Um, so don't worry, we're figuring it out. But uh, the American Prospect in your in your warm little hands, there it is, the Bituation Room on the back. Uh, if you're listening as a podcast, there is an ad for the Bituation Room on the back of the last S uh, episode of the prospect. So, um, episode, is it that what this is edition? It's an episode. Um, so yeah, so many reasons, uh, really the reason is to support this goddamn show, support having comics and having experts on to, you know, fight, 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 no, to just hang and chill and talk about important shit. This show is going to wrap, however, with a new segment because we wrap with a new segment almost every week. And that segment is called You Love to See It. There's a lot of heinous news out there, but there's a few bright silver linings. So we're ending this show with a You Love to See It. And so if you have anything that has been a bright spot in the news, something in your life, you love to see it. Shout it out. What do you love to see? What's been going on in your little corner of the woods? Um, if you live in the woods, I hope it's beautiful there. Uh, and with that, anything else I need to say? No, if you want to tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. You know you can always tip if you don't want to become a patron. And uh, let's get into it, y'all. What are you bitching about? Okay, so there is a woman on TikTok. I know, crazy. Um, and she's going kind of viral because she lives in Spain and she has children and she has been discussing the differences between raising a child in a country like Spain and raising a child in a country like the United States. And there's a number of differences I'm not even talking about, nor is she talking about universal uh, pre-K. I have uh, friends with kids in Spain now currently, and they are, I think two of them are in a free um pre-k program daycare effect effectively before they actually start preschool um and that is not the case here at all uh and then of course paid family leave being guaranteed there this is not even about the social safety net this is about something cultural and y'all know i have a six-month-old baby uh who's attempting to sleep in the other room hopefully she's down um and you know this is this is mom francesca if you're like, I feel like she's been slipping. I am slipping. Okay. I'm losing my goddamn mind. Okay. But 
one of the things that this mom was talking about is that in other countries, there is so much more of an interface and an overlap between adult-friendly activities and children-friendly activities. And I'm feeling that so hard because when they start to get a little bit more alert, they're six months, 10 months, a year, you want to go out and do stuff with them, you know? And yet you also want to not be bored to effing tears. You know, you want to not like, you know, just go down the same slide 50 times. That's fine. Look, slides are great. But they're often like in unshaded, scraggy grass, you know, like sad little dumpy parks next to highways. You know what I'm saying? Like, and generally there's not a lot of things for parents to do, like have a coffee, have a beer, get together, you know, sit at a table. Like there's just not a lot of publicly available or even privately available amenities. And in instead, Kids, which, by the way, again, once again, reminder, we were all babies once. Kids are very much like scorned and like it's we're in a country of now forced birthing. And yet when you have a kid, everyone's like, ew, you're disgusting. You know, I'm sure you guys saw this week a man forced a plane to land preemptively because a baby was crying on the plane and he couldn't hang. And that's just like. You know, it's like, I'm sorry that babies are a reality, but, you know, humans got to come from somewhere. Like I said, you weren't dumped into those skinny jeans at age 28 um, saying ew to everybody else. Like, no, you had to be a disgusting little vomity baby. And so get a load of this is uh, I believe her name is. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. OK, I forgot what her name is. I'll tell you in a second. But here she is um, talking about. Uh, Anna Gildersleeve, I guess, is her her handle on TikTok. And here she is showing and talking about the ways that in Spain there are plazas and places that are both meant for adults and children to have a good time. I'm from Spain, living in the U.S., and this is one of the things that I miss the most about Spain. Outdoor cafes and bars attached to playgrounds. In my opinion, this is awesome because parents can socialize, have fun, even have a drink or two while the kids are playing. Here are my friends back home having a drink while the kids are playing. I talked about this in one of my videos and many people didn't believe me, so let me show you. You have the playground here, and then on this side, there are many parents sitting at the tables having a beer. Okay, same playground, different view. You have here the parents socializing, having a beer, and then the kids are just playing, you know, playing soccer on this side, just having fun. So again, here are the parents, and here's the playground. Now, let's analyze this picture. This is where the bar is. It mm. says Bar Cerveceria, so they cross the street, and they bring you the drinks, the Stop. food, whatever you want. This person is drinking a beer, now water, and I feel like this is unthinkable in the U.S., beers everywhere having a beer or two is part of our daily life it doesn't mean that you're getting drunk so yes it's normal to have a drink or two in front of your kids yeah exactly in fact that's arguably the only way you can deal with having kids and the mind-numbingly boring world that it is again to you know watch them throw a ball poorly for 25 times you know what i'm saying like yeah you gotta have a beer and socialize with your friends so that was the okay a couple things there one no cafe is going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go bring a beer to you in the plaza. No, they're not going to do that. Secondly, try to like brown bag it next time you're at a playground with a bunch of strangers and like you're just sipping on a beer. The scorn, the looks you need if you need if you want to do that, you need a little bit of, of a friend buffer, I think, to do that on mass. But a lot of places it's like drinking in parks is prohibited drinking on the beach on the beach is prohibited in a lot of places. 
Um, you know, and maybe that's just uh, me in California. You know, maybe you need a little bit more Florida. It's the only time I will ever say that uh, in my life. But like, it's, I also just need a little bit more Spain. And again, I've been flirting and talking about wanting to move, but I'm, I'm probably not going to. I think I'm going to, you know, you know, probably just stick it out in the middle of a forest fire in my beloved California and be just go down with the ship. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yes, that level and like having lived outside of the U.S., the informality between people when you make plans here in this country, we're always like, oh, yeah, let's hang out in three weeks for 15 minutes. It's just it's so anti we're antisocial. It's anti-human. It's not fun. And I just want to, yes, normalize places that are like, ooh, there's the playground, there's the slide, and there's the, you know, slide of vodka down a, uh, you know, whatever that is, like a, an ice luge right into mama's mouth. Is that so much to ask people? In addition to all the other stuff, paid family leave, universal pre-K. Okay, you get it, you get it. All right. With that, uh, let me bring in for the rest of the show, cultural critic and NBA analyst with The Ringer and contributor to the Young Turks, Wazi Lambre. What's up, Jessica? <laughs> uh, that, that segment brought me so much joy. Uh, one, <laughs> because uh, Barcelona, one of my favorite cities in the world, uh, in, in Spain, and um, it's it's rare to hear parents speak frankly about parenthood. Um, and yeah. so it's a breath of fresh air for, to hear you say, hey, man, if we could do some keg stands at the playground. Seriously. <laughs> get hurt. Spice it up. <laughs> Just like a little, like a speaker or someone, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know, you'd get stares, you know, if you, but yeah. you get stares, but mostly they'd be like judgy, but jealous, you know, the judgy, jealous stare. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how much judgment we, we place upon parents and, God. you know, a lot of people talk about how much like, oh, my mom wanted to be a doctor just so they could brag, just so they could make other parents feel bad about their kids. Totally. It's, it's funny. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, Waz is wearing the most beautiful New York Mets hat yeah, I've ever you. seen. Yeah, I got this from the New Era site. It's like floral something. I was like, oh, that's it's Mets and it's a, and it's flowery. This is that it. I love that. Thank I you. used to be a fan. 2007, baby. They had a good run. Oh, my goodness. Don't remind me. That was a me. very long time ago. Yeah, don't <laughs> remind me of the Carlos Beltran left the bat on his freaking shoulder. Yeah. Yes. It's tough. Carlos Beltran. Oh, man. Kind of a choker. But then Delgado, yeah. that Jose Reyes. This is the only thing I know. That was like my period of being into sports, baseball specifically. Yeah, Andy Chavez. He made an incredible yes. catch. I had to go back and look at that catch recently and it was like it was still as beautiful. Yeah. Fuck. Just a great a Mets team. team. Delivered a lot of fun memories, but oh, so much heartache too. <laughs> yes. Were you in New York at that time? No, I was actually in Pennsylvania, uh, away okay. in college at Penn State. Um, and so I okay. was not in New York for that. And you know, okay, October I, is is peak freaking school season, of course. And so yeah, it wasn't during break or any of that stuff. But yeah. All right. Well, we're, I don't want to get off too much from what we're talking about. But um, Waz, we talk about what we are griping over on this show. So what are you bitching about today? 
I was at a, a, a one of these fancy new restaurants over there on the east side last night. Um, a cool okay. place. I don't want to say the name of the place. It was decent enough. Um, okay. The cuisine is what people now call new American, which is mm. just, you know, we have American food like pork chops. No, it's like pork chops and steaks and okay, but, but weird stuff too. Um, and so it's new American and you know, they do the whole thing was like, all of our plates are shared plates, which Uh, means mm. we have no way of telling you what the portions are. You just have to guess that it's going to be enough or that it's going to be, which means they're tiny. They're all, uh, keep going. (laughs) You have to guess whether it's going to be enough too small or too large, where you end up wasting your money or bring it back home or whatever. I'm just like, guys, like, Figure out a way to be like, individually, this is how much it would cost. But since there's three of y'all, we'll make it a portion for three. I mean, like this, this universalized share plate thing, it's, it's so impossible to figure out. And every spot is different. What they consider to be, oh, this is enough for three people. This is enough for one. Like, yeah, you should tell and it never is. It's also like I want it down to the bites. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I don't want a taste of this. Like, oh yeah, these meatballs are shared meatball. No, 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 no. Am I getting one and a half or right, two, which exactly. I would like? Or am I getting like half a one or a quarter, which I would not like? Exactly. And again, you know, when it's two people, generally speaking, if they say it's shareable, you'll probably be fine. It's once you get into the more than two people, you get into the danger zone of how shareable these damn plates are. (laughs) Can can I just say that I've it's like one of those dinners where like I went out for a friend's birthday dinner. Great place. Everything delicious uh, was starving at the end of it, you know, like. It's like, and I was also drunk, so it's like, oh great, this is a terrible combination. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that it's was. Too, it was it's an, too bad there wasn't a playground nearby, so the I baby know, could just hang out to offset it. <laughs> I like, I like how petty that is, and I like that you were, you like, at the bill came and you were like, I mean, honestly, I only had like a bite of the octopus, <laughs> yeah. and you know. Well, that's the thing too. So because I couldn't be sure how much food to order, I end up over ordering, and so sure. part of me is like, yeah, that's the whole scam. They 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 want you to just over order and be like. Well, it's, you know, shareable is going to be a small portion. We should be able to get six of these things. And, and, and no, that was not the case. I ended up taking a lot of it home and actually ate some of it for breakfast. <laughs> I love that. I love, okay. I, that I appreciate. Cause like, you're not going to be cheap. When no, it comes no, to whether no, no. You're not I'm gonna not going skim. home hungry. No, we no. drove all the way no. out here. No, I got to eat. Yeah. I love that. All right, everybody. Well, let's move on. A lot of things happened this week, but of course, uh, only two things. Uh, According to this show, this is The Week Where. So this was The Week Where, after settling a lawsuit with the voting machine software company Dominion for $787 million, Fox News has fired its cash cow clansman, Tucker Carlson. Wow. And apparently... Without warning, 10 minutes before the world found out, Tucker Carlson himself also found out that he was being fired. No longer, folks, will we hear the screeching dog whistles in the night. No longer will we hear uh, that sort of pompous 
just prickish laugh or that confused furrowed brow that wants you to know that the January 6th riders were just peaceful patriots. Um, this is a huge loss uh, for racists around the country, Was and I just I just want to give them maybe a moment of silence, um, you know, which actually they probably need because they've been just way too much barking in their ears about like, you know, people of color and immigrants. Rest in peace, the Tucker Carlson show on Fox News. <laughs> no, it, like this is, I mean, I was as shocked as anybody else to, to hear the news because this show is so successful. It is their most popular program on there. And, you know, we know Fox News exists for money and for power, right? Uh, they they want to draw viewers. Those viewers bring them cash um, by way of advertisers. And um, because they have an audience, uh, people like, say, the former president of the United States have to play ball with them, have to kiss right. up to them, have to, you know, basically acquiesce to whatever their needs are at, at any given time. And so, yeah, it's a money and influence peddling machine. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's surprising that their most popular uh, uh, entity would, would get canceled, right? And not yeah, canceled, canceled that we're talking about. <laughs> they self-canceled this right-on-right right crime, man. They they're good. They gone woke. And I, it is, you're right, you're right. It is a hermetically sealed sort of um, feedback influence loop, just like a, not really a human centipede, but just asked, you know, asked to mouth on both of them. I'm sorry, that's so gross, but that's how I do it on this show. I want to just read, and this was the best part of it, uh, the press release from Fox News. Um, this was yesterday explaining that Tucker Carlson, not only will he not have a show, but that his, quote, last program was Friday, April 21st. And Fox News Tonight will air live 8 p.m. Eastern starting this evening as an interim show helmed by rotating Fox News personalities until a new host is named. I don't actually know who the host was last night. Was it just like a really, like just a empty shushing sound? Maybe we can find out who the hell was uh, standing in. But, but was, he was, he, he, that was his last show. So we know that this shit was unannounced. It was a surprise. It came down. And we also know that it came down from the top dog, Rupert Murdoch. Um, and I believe was passed on to Lachlan. Lachlan Murdoch, who Lachlan and Tucker were friends, mm. and there was no time for goodbye. There is, it was like something is coming at them, and we'll talk about maybe what that is. Um, but yeah, this like like it's very curious that they would just do this in one fell swoop. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, you hear about this stuff in network television where when they fire a guy, it's kind of like we don't want to allow the guy to do another show because we don't know what the hell he's going to do up there if we give him a microphone. It's sort of like, you know, people who have worked at different corporate entities when they get uh, when they get shit canned, there's always like security just ominously waiting at the exit to be like, listen, you can make this orderly or you can get dealt with. And that's sort of Fox News's version of this, where it's just like, nope, 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 you're not getting back on the air. We'll let you come in or you can send somebody to get your stuff. But no, it's it's not happening. I think you're muted, Fran, for whatever reason I can't hear you. Uh I muted myself. Can you imagine if 
can you imagine if there was security that had to escort Tucker out as he like had to put his little like dancing, you know, dandelion, um, you know, like model thing, like into his, his little, like, uh, he probably has like a civil war reenactment. No, not the civil war. Cause he's on obviously the Confederate Maybe side. Maybe like of a birth of a nation reenactment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a mint edition copy, everything going yeah. in as he's like walking away with a box. Yeah. His key card didn't work. Fuck, he had to use the guest bathrooms because the key card bat that like mm. it's so tough. And and, and you know, you want to laugh at somebody who's been so destructive um within the culture with his insane rhetoric, particularly the replacement theory stuff. This this idea Oof. that the Mexicans are gonna replace the whites, as if we don't just invent new whites out of whole cloth every day here in america like no but seriously like seriously we make life we invent whites like when when your people first came to america italian people were not white it's true it was like Chi chinese are still waiting on their whiteness I mean, but there's you know, you know there's some model minority listen there. the cubans in miami get to be white now like can't nobody tell me ted cruz ain't white that's a white man. <laughs> He's white. We make new white people all the time. So this idea that we're going to run out is crazy. That's really funny. <laughs> well, okay. My whole thing about the great replacement theory, not to get into it, but as someone who's mixed race, it's very annoying because it is still the one drop rule. Like the last census was like, oh, there are more white people. No, no. There's more people of color who are mixed race. Mm. So what are you talking about? You're saying... Sorry, it said that there were fewer white people. It's like, oh, because they're mixed race? Sure. Sounds like there's more white people. Sounds like there's more <laughs> franchises of white. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, that's a bull, that's not, what are you going to adhere to a one drop bullshit rule in the year 2023? Mm. What the fuck is wrong with you, Listen, you know? The Greeks, the Italians, the Polish people, the, the Jews, none of these people were white at first. We just well, don't say that. Don't say that in Fox News. <laughs> uh, that will absolutely get you fired from the Tucker Tonight Show. In fact, and this is something more we should get into. Why, um, why Tucker Carlson might have been out very, very quickly is that there was a culture in the office yeah. of rampant sexism and anti-Semitism. But I want to get into that. I can't that. believe that. That's crazy. No. Could you imagine that happening at an institution yeah. like Fox News? Wow. I mean, shocked. I just thought it was all for show, but oh. behind closed doors, um, you know, they really knew how to separate sort of the performance from the people. And no, um, <laughs> if only, if only, can you imagine he gets off stage and he's like, or off, off stage, he gets off air and he's just like a great person. No, that dude is an ass white piece of shit through and through. Um, anyway, but so this is the New York Times, their supposition what they've, you know, their sources are telling them why Murdoch made this decision so quickly. The Dominion lawsuit unearthed private comments by Carlson in which he often profanely disparaged colleague sources and perhaps crucially, his bosses. Mm. Ah, aha. Okay. See, I think when you say some shit about the Murdochs, like whatever it is, that that definitely could get you fired pretty quickly. Um, or a former producer, we're, we're going to talk about, um, and her lawsuit against Fox News for accusing Carlson of overseeing a hostile and discriminatory work environment. And finally, uh, the Murdochs may have reportedly grown tired of trying to corral a controversial host who proudly says he can't be controlled. Um, 
which I think is is an interesting sort of balance, right? Was it's like mm -hmm. we want to keep our cash cow because he sort of he pretends like he's independent when we pay him millions and millions of dollars and have tons of corporate sponsors. This is the least independent shit in media you could possibly do is working for Fox News. Yeah, if 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 Tucker would have read uh, Marx, he would have understood the concept of the surplus value of labor. And so, yes, we can pay your ass millions of dollars so long as you're not getting us sued for tens of millions yes. um, by your ex-producer. And yeah, you are just a worker. You just work there. You're a valuable worker. But once you, you know, you create the circumstances that allow for a massive lawsuit to come, um, come your way. Yeah. You right. put yourself at risk and you make yourself vulnerable, man. I don't believe Like, I, I honestly don't even believe in the idea that they're petty enough to be like in his correspondence, he complained about his bosses. Uh, has there ever been a worker in the history of work who didn't complain about their bosses? Like there's not one person. Right. I don't think these people are that stupid to understand that. But when you are, Essentially, the, them money. the catalyst of a massive lawsuit right after we paid three quarters of a billion dollars for something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see why heads would roll in that circumstance. <laughs> well, this is the thing. So the, let's talk about this lawsuit because first it was the Dominion lawsuit that obviously they settled. And now there's two more lawsuits coming at them from a former producer who was a booker for Maria Bartiromo's show and then became a producer at Tucker Carlson's show, Tucker Carlson Tonight or whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> uh, her name is Abby Grossberg. And yes, she is a woman. And that is just on its face interesting because you're like, why would a woman subject themselves to that environment? But look, Fox is a massive corporation. And no, sadly, they can't pass up all female applicants, although they would like to, or all people of color. There are probably some black people that work at Fox. Not yeah. a lot, but yeah. there's a few. There's um, always a couple, friend, who's willing. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And I'm sure the pay is good. And it's and this is so what happened was is that Abby, they were basically priming her to be the main fall gal in the Dominion lawsuit um trial to say that she was the one who allowed, you know, Sidney Powell and others, Rudy Giuliani, to go on air and spew lies about Dominion, when in fact, the opposite happened. She was someone who was actually raising red flags about it. But here she is talking, this is, I believe, to NBC, about her decision. Um, like, this is a few weeks ago. It got, this got completely, like, like, eclipsed by the Trump indictment. But here she is. Did the Fox lawyers attempt to intimidate you, harass you, push you to say things that were not true? Oh, 100% they did, yeah. And I realized that the answers that they wanted me to say were putting me in a very vulnerable position to be the company's scapegoat. It's really, really terrifying to think that you could be the fall guy in perhaps the biggest media case our country's ever had. You were widely criticized. Yeah. How'd that feel? I mean, people said you were a lousy journalist because, among other things, you had said in reply to a question that you did not believe that it was your responsibility to fact check whether or not what someone was going to say on the broadcast was telling the truth. It felt awful. I was bullied, intimidated, and coerced into saying that just to keep my job and stay at the company. And the question a lot of people would have is, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because... I made the decision to keep my job. 
Okay, so there she is. And that is, she's talking about the first instance, which has led to her first lawsuit against Fox News, which is, you guys were coaching me and coercing me to take the fall for you. Uh, and yeah, and then she was uh, fired, obviously, after the lawsuit. But the second part of it um, is about this hostile work environment and like harassment as well. Um, not a, directly against her, but she says that uh, in the lawsuit naming Mr. Carlson that male producers regularly use vulgarities to describe women and frequently made anti-Semitic jokes. On her first day working for Mr. Carlson, Mr. Ms. Grossberg said she discovered the office was decorated with large pictures of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wearing a plunging swimsuit. She said she was once called into the top producer's office to be asked whether Ms. Bartiromo was having a sexual relationship with the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, because she was, again, her booker. I guess the anti-Semitic remarks, I'm like, yeah, that's, it's Fox. Yeah. Sexist remarks, it's Fox. Um, the images of Nancy Pelosi in a swimsuit is like, yeah, I think, I know you think this is funny, but I think you secretly want to fuck Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, uh, Nancy Pelosi having huge cans has become an internet like meme <laughs> over the past year or so for right. whatever reason. Um, like the the crazy thing about that, uh, Francesca, is that I was not aware of this for the you know basically 15 years prior that she was in my consciousness until this year it's all over the internet so i'm not surprised that tucker carlson and these ghouls you're like how you've been you've been holding are you mad you're like i've been no i've known Nancy for so long i had no idea she was stacked i i would not use the man is not the descriptor i would use i was surprised nancy's been holding out nancy's been holding out on us i just it's it is so like she's an 83 year old it's woman crazy. she's 83 please can we not and like i just i don't want to think about her boo i'm just sorry Dude, oh, i don't want to think about stuff her shit. right was doing her, like the stuff they do around pelosi it reminds me of hillary clinton stuff too like they just really hate oh, yeah. those two as figures um, when her husband was attacked, it was like, oh, her gay closeted husband, his lover attacked. It was just like the craziest stuff. And I think in the process of prying into her love life, they were like, oh, Nancy Pelosi, Holden. Um, yeah. Brandy Nuance is shouting out my Pelosi impression. They're all natural. Okay. Thank you. 100%. I can't blame you. <laughs> uh, and what is it? The green dream? This is your dream. You're dreaming of me, aren't you? Um, just like, that's, and so this is the thing, right? Because like even places that are vile, as vile as Fox News, as vile as Newsmax, mm -hmm. as vile as the Daily Wire, there's still corporations that have, mm -hmm. have to have some kind of decorum of, of like, a workplace that doesn't involve everyday hostilities. But of course, all they do every single day is go on air and talk about how that decorum is total crap. And that decorum is trying to make you woke and trying to turn you in, you know, uh, gay or, you know, effeminate or like effeminate, whatever it is, feminized, whatever the hell it is. Oh, okay. I don't know. know. It's trying I to like make you, it's trying to make you weak. Yeah, that you're a feminazi. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But like, 
also, this is the other thing about news. Largely producers in newsrooms are women. Mm. And it's, and there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Women are very much like producers do everything. They're across everything. They multitask. They are yes people. They like set everything up. They do the behind the scenes work that women in every field so often do or are relegated to. So it's like very, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Try to put together an entire effing newsroom with no women. You can't. And and again, she uh, Grossberg also says that she asked and other women asked for raises multiple times. Uh, and were passed over and denied. So it just, we will see. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, any thoughts on where Tucker lands? And on any thoughts on where, uh, who's going to replace him? Um, I don't, I, I, I mean, I think the leader in the clubhouse is probably the Jesse Waters uh, character. I wouldn't be surprised if he stepped up to the plate. Um, just another face in the suit. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. It's, if you say the right things into a mic on Fox News airwaves, you're going to do numbers. And so that's totally a thing that it's just like, yeah, we replaced Bill O'Reilly. Like that guy was way bigger than Tucker Carlson when they fired him. Um, and so, yeah, yes. I, I could see Jesse Waters being up in there. The, the only difference of is like how well you can put your own individual spin on it. Because you hear their lines. It's like, oh, oh, the 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 talking point came down this week. And it's like, the woke mind virus. And you hear Janine Pirro, the woke mind. I mean, everyone says it. Yeah. And you can see, like, Janine's actually very bad at reading prompter. And she's very bad at, like, making it seem like she thought of these ideas herself. I mean, she's honestly drunk half the time, which, like, that's, <laughs> like, that's, like, the most relatable thing about her. Um, but anyway, that's... Her and Kamala. We, <laughs> do you think that's what she's on? I that, that's a thing. That's an internet meme that Kamala is just always drunk in her public appearances. She's drunk on Kamala's drunk on power. We're gonna get back to that in a second. Kamala's drunk on like I know I shouldn't be here, but I am. Um, no, I. God, my God. All right, let's get into it because, guys, this is the week where President Joe Biden has decided he's not a transitional candidate. At least not from him to Vice President Harris. No, he's a transitional uh, candidate from living to maybe not living while still in office because he is running for re-election. That's right, Biden-Harris 2024, baby. Let's get after it uh, and take a look at their campaign ad just released today. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing us. Every generation of Americans have faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. And this is our moment. This is the United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. 
let's finish the job what's the job life is that is that what you're gonna finish <laughs> no 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 it's it's that's unfair all right um once for people who are just listening describe what that like the flavor of that campaign video uh that's what like do i don't know that that felt almost like a haynes commercial you know what i'm saying <laughs> like it's very upbeat and just like you're gonna look good and feel good and, you, and your balls will be nice and perched and it's gonna be great like that was a that was a Hanes commercial ad. And I, I don't even know if they show those. I might be dating myself with the audience by even referencing Hanes. No, no, no. Ads. It didn't seem like he was about to like lift up from underneath his shirt. Like, that's why I wear Hanes, you yeah, know? Like 100%. But yeah, I mean, you know. You gotta get money from somewhere. Shit, come on now. The vibes are good if you're the Biden um regime right you won the presidency you didn't get the bloodbath in the midterms that everybody predicted uh despite having record lows in approval rating you still continue to just hop on by but what i think the audience should understand is we mentioned nancy pelosi 80 something years old she finally 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 found the most corporatist dem in the house that she could and said, all right, cool. Hawk Jeffries can replace me. 80 something. Yeah. Diane Feinstein. No, I mean, uh, we don't even need to get into the, the disaster that that is. And that's just, you know, look, speaker of the house is legitimately powerful position. Diane Feinstein is just some other Democrat in the Senate and she refused to step down. So why the hell yeah. do we think Joe Biden is going to just relinquish power like no. this being the you know the leader of the free was not happening yeah 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 no i first of all yeah i think feinstein is she has a very crucial role to play we talked about that last week um i don't know why i can't speak today but um crucial role uh but <laughs> what's interesting about joe biden and his approval ratings is that He's got like a negative uh, net negative 10 approval rating. It's uh, more Americans disapprove of his performance than approve of it. Um, but again, it's like pretty similar to what they thought about Trump and Obama, Clinton, Reagan, everyone. Nobody has got good approval ratings. And one of the, the biggest reasons, 51% of Democrats said they didn't think he should make a run. And of those people, half said that age was the main reason. He's the oldest president in American history. And he would be 86 at the conclusion of his second term. And yet, and yet, <laughs> he is kind of the best. Oh, yeah. Not question. The, kind of the best that we've got. And I would argue, in my opinion, the president that America deserves. And I say that with a lot of disrespect. <laughs> like, a lot of disrespect for how fucking awful this country is in a lot of ways and how little we have moved the needle yes this country you know we're trying but i'm like yeah what do we expect man we're we're not good enough for bernie we're not good enough for some of these other folks who aoc but yet so it's like yeah it's like no matter what people will still vote even if he's old as hell and he is largely although say for a few a few initiatives is kind of status quo joe yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think it helps that the right at the moment is is a bit of a dumpster fire. It's just yeah. a disaster. It's just like, ban abortion everywhere. It's like, nobody asked for this. 
Like nobody wanted this. What are you guys doing? You know, all of this stuff where they can't stop talking about trans people. And it's just like the, the stuff that they attack culture war wise, right? Like I think they had something with the lockdowns and, and COVID and kids not being able to go to school. I think that was a universalized and pretty popular message. Sure, to be honest, sure, sure. left to right. Parents sure. can't stand hanging out with their kids. Like, no, they can't, especially you know? without beer. Yeah, no, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, these messages were universal. People wanted to, to go out again, go to restaurants, have normal lives. Those that, that stuff that they drilled down on during the pandemic was universal. This other stuff, man, it's it's kind of like the, Jan, the J6 stuff, the... The, the again the abortion stuff that's that's not popular yeah. and i think that's and the, stuff, the benefit the promises, of a guy like biden yeah yeah absolutely sorry to interrupt yeah man that's exactly right it's looking at the other side and going like nope still old and now fascist right and like giving people a whole lot of christian nationalism that nobody asked for and i think the one thing i will say to push back on the like everything's you know that was locked down and people don't like that i totally agree with you but at the same time i also know folks who vote who like this is anecdotal but you know move from trump to biden simply because they're like old people that don't want to die you know it's like so i want you to think that it's the pandemic is real but like not too real. <laughs> Let's find the sweet spot. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think they 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 had some stuff that that they did see. You know, the stuff in Florida with with DeSantis, and they 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 legitimately got some gains. But as the right is is wont to do, they just took it way too freaking far. And I think again, that's why they couldn't get anything done in the midterm, and that's why Joe Biden's like, yo, I could take these fools. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean. I have to say, and I don't know, last thoughts on this. I'm glad it's he's not a transitional candidate to Kamala Harris for many, many, for many reasons. Uh, I don't I don't trust I don't trust the vice president to do a better job than Joe Biden is doing right now um, on pretty much any issue. I legitimately do think it's cool that she is Asian and African-American yeah. and a woman. Sure. And I legitimately think she's a cop at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I mean, t for me, like the DA stuff is is what it is. I think people who have been close to her from the beginning said that since the age of like 22 years old, this woman has been careerist and career driven. Everything she's ever done is is an ends to a means. My problem with Kamala Harris is, you know, uh, she's an empty suit. She had like, what does she believe in? What's her thing? You know what I mean? Like. Shouts to my man John Edwards. You know he did horrible things cheating on his wife with, um, you know, while she had cancer and all of that stuff. But like this guy was like, "Yo, my thing is poverty. I want to erase poverty. That's that's my thing." Bernie's like, like inequality. Like if the, she doesn't have a thing. She doesn't have a thing. She doesn't have a thing. No. First of all, uh, you, uh, I, if I, as if I didn't love you already, was but you've mentioned now Andy Chavez's catch <laughs> and John Edwards, who I still hold a candle for, yeah. and I'm like, I mean, I don't obviously, but like at the time, I was like, nah, Barack Obama is a little too corporate centrist for me. Like I'm down with John Edwards. I like yeah. the message a lot. You'd actually <laughs> say the words "poor people." Right, when right, he was right. talking in public, like you know, but again, he had a thing, you know, Barack when he ran, yo, healthcare, he, a thing, right? What right. is this lady's thing? Yeah, yeah. she never, and and she's been given a thing, like the task around like basically immigration and like dealing with this entire hemisphere, and she has oh my more god, of she is oh Lord. disaster, total disaster, Catherine has D. not been able to change that narrative at all, at all. 
Can I interest um, you in a little Mayor Pete, transportation uh, secretary? <laughs> that guy, man. We'll see. What about we'll what see. about handsome Gavin Newsom? Can I interest you in a in a bit of handsome Gavin Newsom for president? Honestly, the only thing about the window dressing's better, and I don't mean it because he's more attractive. I don't like his hair, but. Uh, I think he has more of a fight in him. I actually think Mayo Pete also has a little bit of a fight in him as well. I think both of them are super disingenuous, though. I don't think I we mean, have seen, like, there's no one positioned who's actually genuine and who has, again, the Trumpian and the Bernie level and the AOC level of, oh, when you speak, I believe you. Yeah. You know? Um, we got to move on, though. Let's let us move into uh, the sitch for the week uh, because uh, Teamsters maybe striking this summer um, if they don't get a contract with UPS. And that's going to be a lot of people uh, on strike and a lot of packages that might be not making it. But so uh, with us, staff writer at Jacobin and freelance writer based in New York, Alex Press. Hey, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, my God. All right. So let's get into it. So this we have this upcoming contract fight. Um, it's a five year contract. Um, and Teamsters may be going on strike if they can't reach a, reach a deal. Just remind audience, like bare bones, basic, yeah. who are the Teamsters? How many UPS workers do they represent? Yeah, so it's funny because as unions have declined in this country, people still at least have heard of the Teamsters because they're like, mm -hmm. right, Jimmy Hoffa, yep. right, that's right. mobbed up union. Not really true anymore, fortunately, though they're not perfect. Um, and Hoffa is no longer in charge. So his son was in charge for a while. And then this most recent election over the past couple of years, now there's a new guy in charge. His name's Sean O'Brien. Um, he's a classic, like old school Boston um, you know, <laughs> yes. union guy. So I'm sure people have seen like clips of him go viral because he just has such a good shtick, you know, sort of arguing with various conservative senators and things like that. Um, so the Teamsters are about, they now represent about 1.2 million workers in the United States. So it's a lot of people, right? You know, it's not quite as big as it was in its prime. But also those are particularly powerful workers, right? Like the trucking and transportation sector, you know, people sort of say, you know, if you if you got something, a truck brought it. Um, and that mm -hmm. definitely applies for a lot of UPS drivers. So UPS right now, there's about just under 350,000 workers under that contract. So it's the biggest contract in the private sector in the entire country, right? We're mm -hmm. talking spanning the nation or in the nation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, UPS is so interesting, right, because it doesn't matter what community you're in, whether you're in New York City or you're in a rural area, like UPS is operating there, right? And so this yeah. is a really dispersed workforce. But it's really interesting because people also know their UPS driver, right? No. The last time that they had a nationwide strike at UPS was 1997. And it was really interesting if you go look at kind of how the media covered it then. It's pretty hard to vilify a UPS driver. You know, the company's the company CEO at the time even was caught saying, well, sure, you know, if it was if I had to choose between like an evil corporation and an upstanding, charming UPS driver, I'd side with the driver. And, you know, so that is a real strength. It's the brown shorts, the whole little the get up. Look. You know what I mean? The totally. look is, is there, which is messed up for the like the USPS because it's like, hey, like, we're like, you think, you know, you go to the post post office and you think, you know, like mole with chin, like mole with hair on the chin kind of thing. Oh, that's that's so mean. But then you think like UPS driver and you're like, hey, what's up? You know, let me whatever. Right. You're like, like, yeah, I got a crush on my UPS driver. Like totally. everybody knows that idea. And it's so funny because they totally play it up. You know, I was recently at a sort of <laughs> a little internal fundraising meeting for among a bunch of UPS drivers. And, you know, 
one guy like took his teamsters bomber off and was like it's getting hot in here and he has like a shirt that says like <laughs> ready to strike if provoked and i was like yeah this yeah. is this is what you have to do though like it really does make them a very tough workforce to take on if you're the boss um so in 97 that was an effective sort of on a just on a pr cultural level yeah and the public was with them and i think we're you know it's really hard right because a strike like this as you said like really does disrupt people's lives you're not going to get packages businesses can't get their stuff you know it's really an immediate economic effect which is what makes it so powerful and why it hasn't happened in a long time that's part of the reason so in 97 it lasted about two weeks um, and then they they won a large part of the demands that they were fighting for. This nice. time around, it's all but assured, it looks like, that it's going to happen. And that contract nice. expires July 31st. So August 1st, don't expect your packages to come. Um, um, yeah, so that's sort of the the sort of like high level what's going on here. Um, we're sort of watching the clock tick down for this strike. Yeah, that's I have, I have questions about. And yeah, please, Waz, jump in. I just want to ask about what are you hearing from workers you've interviewed about? like what are the conditions um both in the you know driving warehouses and and also in the wake of the pandemic like yeah what's going on so obviously like it's not a surprise or unique to ups workers that the pandemic was grueling right i mean so you mentioned the warehouses i mean the thing people forget i think about ups is about half the workers are working inside ups buildings like sorting the packages getting them on the trucks things like that um, so it's not just the drivers, right? It, though the drivers, the ones we all see kind of more often. And it's the same thing as other warehouses. You know, it was grueling, uptick in demand. UPS has had ballooning profits because of the pandemic. Meanwhile, the workers had to keep working through all of that. You know, this also goes back to sort of what the odds are that people might support them is everybody saw their UPS driver keep working through the pandemic, yeah. right? <clears throat> um, I'd say like a couple key things that have emerged are one, there's a real problem with extreme temperatures particularly for the drivers in the trucks. We um, saw that over the summer. Yeah, and there was a driver that died delivering on the job. And, you know, as extreme weather gets worse, this is only going to be more of an issue. So this is one issue that they've been having that's kind of pandemic or like past few years specific. Um, but the main thing that's sort of leading them into this strike is the last contract they negotiated in 2018 introduced a new tier into the contract. So a tier mm-hmm. is like, Say you're at your job and your coworker is doing the same thing, standing right next to you or sitting right next to you, and they're getting almost twice as much pay, right? Mm. Because say they have more seniority, they were in the contract before this new tier got added, they have a better pension, they have better benefits. It really is hard to build a strong kind of, of sense of solidarity, right? Because you resent your coworker. It's natural. Sure. Um, you know it's not their fault, but it's hard to care about kind of like, you know, what are their issues and them care about mine when there's this kind of just this thing eroding the kind of relationship from within. So that contract did get passed. Um, So it was a big deal. And it's what led to this new president, Sean O'Brien being elected um, because there was kind of this uprising, this like revolt within the Teamsters over this contract. Um, You know, Sean O'Brien used to be Jimmy Hoffa Jr.'s right-hand man. He was Mm. in charge of the negotiations and he finally broke from Hoffa over this. He said, these contracts are bullshit. They're terrible. They're eroding our union's power, not to mention an insult to our members. Um, and so long story short, in short order, he breaks from those negotiations and then announces he's running to take over um, the Teamsters and he wins to make a very long story short. Um, and he, one of the key things he runs on is 
next contract in 2023, we're undoing that tier. We're not mm-hmm. taking that anymore. Um, and so and that, that is was a, that was a handout to UPS. I mean, that was yeah. for, for for them. That was, I mean, and like, and it's and he did it in a very under a democratic way. So Sean yeah. O'Brien seems to have ushered in, according to your reporting, like sort of a new, you know, yeah, more democratic Teamsters. Yes, definitely. Or at least a more kind of a little bit more democratic, right? I mean, <laughs> the particularly the thing about this contract that I didn't get into and in explaining this, but you know, the membership, it was kind of miraculous. They did vote it down. So when they mm. when they reach a tentative agreement when you're in a union, you know, that's your leadership at the bargaining table reaches a tentative agreement, but then the membership votes on whether they want to ratify it or not. And in this contract, the majority of those who voted said no, they voted it down. Mm. And and Hoffa Jr. made use of an extremely kind of arcane part of the Teamsters Constitution to override that Democratic vote and force the contract on everyone. And that is why it was kind of when he did that, it was the end of his career. Um, and in short, the parliamentarian, order, he consulted exactly. the, par- the union. Parliamentarian. <laughs> so, Alex, exactly. I, I want to ask you, because, you know, I think your reporting has been indispensable. Uh, I've been reading your stuff and Jacobin covering this um, upcoming strike. I myself am a former UPS warehouse worker. Uh, I was okay, in the cool. Tordal, former Teamster out in Brooklyn, yeah. New York, um, the warehouse, which I think you guys talked about on Foster and 105th. Um, yeah, Foster is like where the, uh, the most energy that's, is. That's, just, that's just, where I was at. That's great. I just got yelled at by some UPS driver friends because they had a rally there at like seven in the morning this week. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And of course, I just didn't make it. And they're like, oh, you really care? <laughs> OK, well, <laughs> 7 a.m. is kind of tough. That's kind of tough. It depends. A couple trains. That, you know, that's that's, that's kind of tough. Even if you live close to the L train, it's tough to get <laughs> yeah. uh, down there at that time. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm I'm glad you talked about the sort of differences, stark differences between Hoffa's cozy ass relationship with the bosses and um, what O'Brien is doing. What's your sense of how the workers themselves are feeling? Because there's leadership in the rhetoric that they almost have to spew, right? Like that's kind of their job is to rally the troops and coach them up, if you will. Do you get a sense that the workforce um, the, 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 you know, the rank and file feels as energized and, and militant as what O'Brien's uh, rhetoric has been. I think they really do. I mean, obviously mm. we're talking 300 something thousand people, right. like it's uneven yeah. in certain parts of the country, whatever, of course, even within one building, people are going to have different opinions, but everybody I've talked to who are like kind of the militants at the shop floor level, you know, they're like the socialists or the kind of like mm. the longtime organizers at UPS. They're all the wises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And the wazes and the me's and the you's. And, uh, and they feel, I, everybody I speak to seems like, you know, even the biggest skeptics, you know, of kind of leadership, like, oh, this is his job. They're pleasantly surprised. Mm. They're like, the power is being unleashed for us to do what we want to do, which, you know, in that piece you guys were talking about that I wrote about this, you know, that means like huddles every, you know, once a week outside of those buildings so that people can stay informed and can start, you know, can know their contract in and out, you know, Mm. the shop stewards, the people who kind of are the union at the shop floor level, they're training people up. There's all kinds of meetings and rallies and things going on right now because, you know, it doesn't matter what Sean O'Brien says, 
if he does not have a membership that actually can endure a strike mm, yeah. and that takes months of planning. Right. And so, I mean, I've, that's why I wrote that article to see like, is that planning and preparation happening? And I would yes. say it really is, you know, and wow. it's a great thing because it means that even if Sean O'Brien, you know, his job is he's going to be sitting with these l- corporate lawyers and management in DC, he's naturally removed from the rank and file UPS worker but it doesn't matter. Even if he really wants to settle a weak contract, these members want something more. Like they voted for him to get rid of these tiers. They're sick of these, this horribly low part-time pay. It would be hard for him to call this off. Um, and sure. so that's the way I'm, that's the sense I'm getting from people is like, people are ready to go for this one. Right. But I think that's a really important point. I mean, we've had Jane McAlevey on and talked to her, you know, about all the steps involved and um, all the terms that she uses. I don't like, like strike testing. I can't remember exactly all the terms, but you know, it's like, yeah, it can't just be top down. It can't just be for a showboating uh, branding exercise for him. It's gotta be supported and uh, sustained and he has Mm -hmm. to support workers in, in that strike. And that's going to be hard. Um, Yeah. I mean, people need this money. And so you cannot, and again, especially at a workforce, not just this big, but like I said, this dispersed, if you can't actually get everyone ready to strike, it's going to be hard to win that strike because UPS is going to be able to, you know, get people to scab. They're going to be able to keep operating <clears throat> and it's going to weaken, you know, your leverage, which is the whole point of the strike. So you don't need everybody participating, but you got to have every, the majority of workers on board to sacrifice. Um, the the scab culture we live in, I mean, gig work is such scab work. I was, mm. you know, you, I think you mentioned in the piece, and I am curious about Amazon, you know, and sort of their role in all this, but like that there were folks who were delivering UPS packages that UPS was contracting out with like randos in their cars, you know, yes, who are yeah. not randos, but workers, gig workers in their cars to deliver packages. And I think we've, I've seen that as well. Like, who is that person with a random package? Yeah. Um. So UPS might have this at the ready as well um, as a way to circumvent the strike. Sure. Or at least they're going to try. I mean, it's amazing to see how they're already, you know, I, we're talking about how the workers prepare for a strike, but the company is preparing too. Right. And so are its competitors, you know, Amazon and FedEx are all ready to take all these customers who Mm. are starting to already reroute their, you know, Mm. businesses are like, you know what, let's switch um, for who's delivering just in case the strike happens. And so this is where people will try to scoop up those packages and that and that money. Fortunately, UPS has so much volume that it's just impossible for even Amazon and FedEx and tell. USPS to to totally pick up the slack there. But absolutely, everybody is like ready for war on the other side too. What about I, good spe- old? Mm-hmm. Speaking of war, because uh, whenever this strike happens, there's going to be a media war. Um, and you know, I think we saw with the rail workers, they did a pretty effective job. They had advocates like public figures, like Bernie speaking on their behalf Mm -hmm. and their case was so like rock solid, like really like I'm supposed to be on call for 96 hours straight, you know, like they had such a clear and obvious rock solid case that even the corporatist ass media couldn't sort of derail, um, the message that they were trying to convey. However, even when, you know, working class, man of the working people, Joe Biden <laughs> crushed their freaking strike. It's not as if he got yeah. killed for it, right? Even right. as they made an effective pitch for what they were fighting for, what's your sense about how the Teamsters and UPS are going to be able to win this sort of media war and this PR and public campaign of, of messaging? 
I mean, like I said, if if history is anything to go by, you know, UPS drivers especially have just an asset inherent in what their job is and how public it is. Mm, I mean, you're right that that doesn't necessarily mean they win. Um, and certainly it doesn't mean that every you know corporate media person or elected official is going to side with them. But I think because it's such a massive workforce and so visible, um, I think people are feeling pretty confident that, of course, there's just some corporate media that will never, ever give them a fair share. Hmm. But I mean, I've even seen, you know, New York Times has run things about like the extreme temperatures in the trucks in New York City, where the, yeah. the local here, local 804 is pushing for, which I guess was is your old local, That's right. um, is, is pushing for, you know, like a new bill at the state level to to force companies to deal, to sort of take responsibility for those that heat. So I think the my sense is the Teamsters have been pretty media savvy already. Um, yeah. And so I'm hoping that that means there will at least be enough people you know, and it's why I wrote that article six months before the strike started is I want people who are, you know, involved in whether it's podcasts or other reporters or any kind of kind of, you know, public figure. I want people to already know in advance, like here is the case. And they have been saying this for years. And it's why they vote out their old president. And UPS has made more money than ever. This is a clear ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and I think that's really they've never been richer, guys. Like yeah, that's what right. ever means. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly right. And and yeah. I think that's really important in terms of the visibility because you know, people don't know their railway worker. Right. No, nope. Right? Sadly. Yep. But we don't. We but we've seen the UPS person. So I think that that's and also the contract holder isn't the United States government, which is another big effing problem right, with right. that whole or ordeal and i just want to say that the article is inside the teamsters preparations for a ups strike it's on jacobin and we put a link article. link to it in the in the description lastly though what what's with the advent of amazon yeah how has the teamsters been able to respond to that or i mean what's the role what's going on and i know recently a i believe a um contractor working on behalf of Amazon, a trucking contractor just signed with the Teamsters about 84 workers in California. But so, yeah, what, what does that throw into this whole situation? Yeah. So sort of the more general view here is that, you know, I describe UPS as sort of this, these workers are like a, an island of union workforce in the delivery and kind of trucking transportation world, right? Yeah. FedEx is not union. Nope. Amazon is certainly not union. FedEx isn't union. Jeez. Yeah. And so, and so that means like, you know, they're basically trying to stay afloat while all these other workers, you know, it's not their fault, of course, that they are subjected to these low wages and stuff. But they start undercutting all the standards UPS drivers and, and inside workers have won over decades of unionization. So if they're, you know, if Amazon's delivering seven days a week, all of a sudden UPS starts saying, hey, you know, we can't compete unless right. you guys are willing to maybe work, you know, six days instead of five. Right. And, uh, you know, Amazon's only paying their drivers, you know, 15 bucks an hour. And, and, you know, we give you so many benefits. And so can't we insert a lower paid tier? Let's be real. Yeah, here. help us out. Yeah, you know, help us like, out. I mean, this is, you just hire more people at that rate. Right. This is the trap that, you know, we talked about. I think, Francesca, you mentioned, you know, Hoffa Jr. is so buddy-buddy with management. And this is sort of the trap of when you, union leaders think their job is to keep a company afloat rather than make sure their members can live. Um, and so, but it does strengthen that argument and put more pressure on the workers when you have these anti-union, non-union competitors all around right. you. 
So that's right. part of why the Teamsters, and especially now with Sean O'Brien in charge, have said, we need to organize Amazon. We see it as an existential threat. If this keeps expanding, there's no way that we're going to be able to maintain our standards, much less get new uh, benefits and higher wages. Um, and so that sort of explains why, sort of in a self-interested way, the Teamsters would be putting resources and time into organizing Amazon. Um, the thing you mentioned this, so this one, it's called a delivery service partner. That's what Amazon mm -hmm. calls it. It's all those drivers you see who are wearing Amazon clothing. They're driving a, a vehicle that is Amazon branded. They're actually not employed by Amazon. They're employed mm -hmm. by one of these delivery service partners, yeah. which is a whole side thing about, yep. I mean, it's nonsense. They should be just employed by Amazon. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant <laughs> yeah. from a cutthroat capitalist totally. perspective, like a piece of shit perspective. <laughs> yes. They're not my yes. employees. I don't got to pay them, give them bennies, yeah. do any of that. Matter of fact, they part-time, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And Amazon's definitely not the only one like this. I mean, this is the gig economy model, right? It's, those aren't right. my workers. They're independent. They're self-employed. They just choose to work through my market. Uh, it's nonsense. It's very obviously nonsense in the case of these workers because these companies exist only to service Amazon. It's not like a DSP is also delivering for other companies. They totally exist right. as like part of Amazon's economy. Right. Anyway, so that has meant it's hard to figure out how to organize them because, again, you can't really legally you don't have standing to petition Amazon for a union. You have to petition all these little companies of which there's something like 3000 across the country. Damn. Uh, and that has not been resolved. I mean, a lot of people want to sort of to get a legal ruling that says these are joint employers. You can petition Amazon. That's a separate conversation for now. What just happened is that one of these DSPs, their workers, the 84 drivers and dispatchers in this Palmdale, California um, DSP company, they unionized. It's a little complicated in that it came out after in the past 24 hours, Amazon put out a statement saying we already can't had canceled their contract. They already know that they're, you know, they have poor performance. This is all like a PR stunt. Mm. And the Teamsters seem to be taken a little aback by this. T just two hours ago, the guy in charge of that DSP put out a statement saying Amazon's lying. Basically, uh, that's not true. My workers are still working for Amazon. So it's a little complicated. It's in flux. Got it. I think I think the, the kind of relevant thing here is like the Teamsters are seriously trying to organize these workers, which they've been saying that they've been doing for a couple of years now. And there's been no you know sort of public evidence of that. I mean, I certainly am aware of some of these efforts, but no one has gone public with a new union, a new bargaining unit until this case. Yeah. Um, and so I expect it means there will be more of these coming soon. Um, the, again, though, the complication that I think is worth thinking about even if this case ends up kind of being much more complicated than we realized is like amazon whether they're lying or not can just cancel a contract with these people i mean yeah, yeah. they they have the power here and what does that mean for organizing like you can't just organize one of these because amazon is just going to cancel a contract and so it's a big puzzle um and i think a lot of people are thinking seriously about how to fix how to solve that puzzle yeah and and where the NLRB, you know, could could come in, come in in yeah. that. I don't know. Can they fix it since they're more amenable now? You fix. I mean, the th the one sort of thing I think is hopeful is like the Teamsters do have a lot of resources. And particularly in California is where my sense of their most serious efforts um, to both organize the Amazon warehouses and the delivery drivers are happening. Oh, nice. Um, and so it's like. You know, people for good reason often talk about the problems with kind of the biggest unions in the United States, but they do have the resources and some institutional knowledge here. 
And so I'm glad that there's like some evidence of experimentation and seriously making an effort, but I have no idea where it's going to lead. And I think really the takeaway should be it's nonsense that these people can't say we're we're Amazon employees and that's who we are going to unionize under, that they have to go through this insane, you know, extremely tedious legal process instead is complete bullshit. Yep. Alex Press of Jacobin, thank you so much for your reporting and for coming on and explaining things so succinctly (laughs) um, and accessibly. And yes, we'll be following your writing and work um, as we follow what happens. So thanks. So good to talk to you both. Have a good rest of your day. Keep picking ass. Yeah. Um, All right. We got one more segment, one final segment that uh, very exciting calling You Love to See It. Never done this before. (laughs) We have a what's good that's a little bit different but here's some stories we might have missed that are you know just kind of something we need although i kind of love to see that last story as well but here you go you love to see it all right first of all (laughs) um what do we love to see uh we love to see elon musk's spacex rocket exploding there we are starship and that appears like the automated flight termination system has been activated the automated flight termination system has been activated it self-destructed there we go much like twitter blue rollout and everything he touches and that appears like the automated flight termination system has been activated you love to see it you love to see it so now they're trying to look i love the the spin on this and i don't know anything about space and i don't care so don't at me don't at me about spacex (laughs) but apparently the fact that it didn't blow up sooner is a win and they you know all the millions and hundreds of millions of dollars billions of dollars that are just went up in smoke that's all in service of something that's gonna happen later which once again is all in service of trying to get to Mars, which once again is all in service of trying to see at what point plants die because you can't grow plants on fucking Mars, which is all in service of realizing once again, Earth is a great place and we should actually take much better care of it. But that's cool. Please waste a bunch of money trying to figure out that fucking plants belong on Earth and not goddamn Mars. All right, I'm just so, I'm I'm. So much disdain. Do, do you for- do you watch Succession, friend? Yes, of course. Of course. So this this reminded me when when Roman's <laughs> little rocket ship blew up while he was watching it on his phone in the bathroom, <laughs> and he just came out the and bestie. people were like people were like, "Yo, how'd the rocket thing go?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it was it was good." It was good. This is this is Roman Roy blowing up a rocket. It's so the the silence too, just like all oh, right, and he just like slips it back in his pocket. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that that's what this reminded me of, one hundred percent. That's exactly what it is. Anyway, so you love to see that. Uh, fuck Elon. Um, here we go. You love to see this story out of Chile, which is that Chile is going to nationalize its lithium industry, according to Reuters. President Gabriel Boric, again, the young sort of squad member of Chile's, you know, uh, like left uprising, uh, said on Thursday he's going to nationalize the country's lithium industry, the world's second largest producer of the metal essential and electric vehicle batteries to boost its economy and protect its environment. The shock move uh, in the country with the world's largest lithium reserves would in time transfer control of Chile's vast operations from industry giants, SQM and Albemarle, 
to a separate state-owned company, which is crazy. And then here you can see there's a graph here, the amount of uh, lithium produced. Chile accounts for 30% of the production in 2022. It's got highest reserves, higher than Australia, Argentina, China, and the United States. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Boric said, according to, because this is not just about we want to keep the money for ourselves. Um, this is more broadly about environmental protection. He says, this is the best chance we have at transi transitioning to a sustainable and developed economy. We can't afford to waste it, Boric said in an, in an address. Now, obviously, the mining for lithium has its own costs. But if you can at least nationalize the profits from that to invest in, you know, green energy, which again, lithium will produce these batteries. But if you can produce those batteries so that you can actually use them in, in your own country rather than just selling them abroad, I think that's a huge move. So I love to see this. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it seems obvious that somebody like me would be all for the, the nationalization of what for them is a native national nat natural resource. Like the idea that some private actor should be able to come in and say, that stuff deep within the earth belongs to me and yeah. me alone. Like it makes absolutely no sense. And so to see this stuff get reinvested into their economy and actually go into, you know, goods and services and in, you know, investment um, of the Chilean people, you know, a, a, a huge amount of them, by the way, indigenous folks. Uh, this right. is great, great stuff. I, man, I wonder how numbered that guy's days are. Uh, the president over there. This is the kind. This is the kind of thing the CIA starts coups over. Straight up. Oh, no, no, no. Straight up. Straight, straight up. up. I mean, if it were a different, if we didn't have enough on our hands now, but that is that is exactly right. So we'll see again. Boric was. It took him six years. I think he was elected. And six years later became president. He was elected to parliament in Chile or Congress in Chile. And uh, I know folks might think that it's a little early for AOC to consider a run, but it is not unthinkable that someone is popular with popular ideas and radical ideas like, hey, what if we kept money for for our country to help us rather than be just a sort of exploited, you know, offshore what you know what I mean? Like um ex exportation uh machine. There's something in there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that the people respond to that and the Chilean people respond to that. But you're right. The right in Chile, of which is very powerful and huge, that owns most media outlets, are probably freaking out about this. Freaking out about it. But anyway, love to see that. Love to see uh the lithium uh or the 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 rocket explode. And finally. Um, just in the wake of uh, the shooting of Ralph Jarl, who the 16-year-old who had the misfortune of knocking on a racist Tucker Carlson watching ass 84-year-old's door who shot him. Um, here is students um, in, Ralph, I believe, in Ralph Jarl's, Jarl's hometown walking out in support and protest of what happened. Yeah, that was at Staley High School, and that was his, their classmate, Ralph Jarl, and his classmates. And that's just, like, that makes me very happy. I need that. Like, it's not, it's just we love you. That's it. Like, that makes me cry. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's it. In a time when you straight up got shot for being a black kid, 
um, we love you and people are supporting him. So I need to see that. Love to see that. And finally, I just have to say, uh, RIP Harry Belafonte. I can't speak today. RIP Harry, Harry B. Harry Belafonte, 96, died today. Uh, I don't love to see that, but his life and legacy are something we all have to emulate. Was any thoughts, any final thoughts? I don't know. Like, what's your favorite story? <laughs> uh, my favorite, I mean, my favorite is definitely the UPS and the Teamsters and just, you know, <laughs> honestly, the, the worker militancy, man, um, from Hell places yeah. like John Deere, Starbucks, Amazon, all over the country. Workers who are working for companies where they're creating massive freaking profits and revenue for those companies are fighting back. And guess what? They're not waiting on Joe Byron and the freaking Democrats, right? Like they're not waiting yeah. on these saviors, um, these political actors, because we know this. We know this song and dance. They're not going to do anything for workers. Um, and yeah. so workers are taking the power for themselves. And that that to me is one of the only hopeful stories in america today in in how polarized we are in how divided and just you know all the crap we get fed the the propaganda we get fed uh to see workers unite across again john deere workers and starbucks workers ain't got nothing in common but they both realize that they are getting used abused exploited by their employers yep. and so they've exhibited some level of militancy and to me that that's that's some of the most heartening stuff we got in the country. I love it. All right. Well, so it wasn't even one of that I chose, but I like that. It's we talked with Alex about it, and I agree. I I definitely agree. Um, I like all those stories, so I can't pick one. But was big was Wazni Lombre. Thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you, follow you, listen to you? Um, Instagram, Big Waz, uh, B-I-G-W-O-S, and Ringer.com. Make sure you're checking us out, uh, my NBA coverage for anybody who's interested in basketball. Also, I do a little podcast called The Woke Bros with my man Nando Vila. Um, that comes out every Friday. Yeah, um, I guess it's things are happening in basketball. I'm sorry. Yes, I just it's the like, playoffs. It's the Lakers. It's what are you talking about? What are you doing, Francesca? I like go to bed. I am like going to bed, and it's like, oh, Warriors. Ooh, Lakers. What's that dream? What happened? I don't know. <laughs> Love you. Uh, anyway, all right. Follow us. Was take very good care. Thanks so much for coming on, uh, and thank you all for being here. Thanks for supporting the show. Thanks for all of your comments. Uh, I do read them. Um, and yes, I know there's occasional trolls. I apologize. Um, but I want to read some chats. Robert, thank you for your super chat saying American politics is not going to end well. How do you know? It's probably going to be another civil war, but it'll be fun. Um, thank you uh, to Christina Elisa Brown on YouTube. I love Franny and Waz. Love you. Uh, Chad Hoffheins reminding us that Brian Kilmeade stepped in for Carlson. Oh, not the same flavor of uh, screechy bigot, but, you know, similar. Um, Camperman5000, thank you for being a member on YouTube. Someone said Confederate flags were flying at half-mast for Tuck. Very good. Very good. It's it, They probably are. Um, Daniel Lee. Hi, Daniel. What's going on? Hope you're good. Nothing on the climate crisis. Nothing on income inequality. Marching right into deep into fascism. I think that is in reference to Biden's... Um, campaign video i mean what's what's sort of ironic about the campaign video is that it focused on voting rights and um abortion rights and it's not like he's doing that much on those two things either in fact he might even argue he's doing more on climate change because the inflation reduction act uh than you know 
than the than uh, abortion and voting rights. So I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. But that was just a very feel good. I called it his like lemonade because uh, it was it was like shot in like supposed to look like a, you know, 60 millimeter film or whatever millimeter film looks old and cool. It was very lemonade. It was his lemonade moment. Um, thank you, Andrea of Pennsylvania for signing up on Patreon. I will give you a shout out if you are a patron of 10 bucks or more, of course. Uh, Sweet Ain Dragon said, I gifted 10 memberships, but only see five recipients. So all of you still in gray, click the join button and then click all three dots and then gifts and make, make you able to receive gifts. Oh my God, Sweet Dane Dragon. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. This is membership on YouTube. That is really generous of you. Big old love. Everybody give Sweet Dane Dragon uh, a lot of love and take advantage of those memberships. That gets you access to the bonus bish. You can watch back. We've had three or four, I believe, already you can watch and listen as well. Um, that listening is only for the patrons. So if you're more of a podcast person, you want to become a patron, patreon.com slash bitchuasia room. Um, Rainer, Noli, White, a lot of striking will come up in many states this summer. Indeed. Matt Gates on a whiteboard Bronco. Thanks for your super chat. Said Franny delivering, delivered by mentioning Pelosi's cans. And Waz talked about Biden's balls. It's the political analysis we need and deserve. Indeed. Um, Bad Lefty, thanks for being a member. Says it's hard to be angry at anyone in shorts. It really is. Like, you just wear shorts and you're like, ah, lucky you poor. Look at those poor knees and your little calves. Nice calves. Nice calves. I'm a sucker for nice calves. All right. Um, Terrence Trumbo, thanks for being a member, says, I was a scab as a substitute teacher one time, and even though I was desperate for the money, I was retroactively feel like a POS. I wouldn't walk through a picket line again. Yeah, that is, I mean, I I feel, I hear that. And um the, uh, it reminds me of Bill and Hillary Clinton's first date. Did you guys know that their first date was uh, crossing the picket line? Um, I believe at a museum in DC to go see the museum. Very adorable. Um, and Yilva, what's going on, Yilva? Thanks for becoming or being a patron. Saying we had just had a general strike in Norway, and workers kind of won. The lowest paid get a higher raise than the highest paid. All different labor unions are united under one umbrella. Yilva, that is amazing, and I am incredibly jealous, and I want to know more about that general strike. Please, the United States needs to take pointers from uh, other nations, for the love of God. Um, Pontius Pirates says, independent contractors, a graveyard for workers' rights, indeed. Um, and tooled for Twitch, I'm reading the chats. Thank you so much, and I'm sorry about the trolls. Lily Alara, thank you for the super chat. Fran, two things you said, you and your Patreon team rock, felt like such a newbie after y'all sorted out my link issue and second a merch pitch for armada and above maybe anarcho mommunist wow wow anarcho mommunist is pretty good it would have to be a nursing shirt um the what i wanted to say is uh what did i want to say i wanted to say that we are going to look into different merch like i said um uh, Orchata Armada merch would be great. I, I have the design and everything. Those folks who used to do our t-shirts for Newsbroke are no longer. So I got to find, I, I think I have the design. So I could actually very easily add the Orchata Armada if y'all want to do that. If you don't know what the Orchata Armada, Orchata Armada is, oh my God, I can't. I should have done some vocal exercises. Sounding like Elon up in here. Um, It's the answer to the tea party. Came up with it. In news broke in 2016, me, Matt Lieb, Kate Elston, and the rest of the news broke fam. So 
that's what the horchata armada is tea party of the left um y'all I, I, we just have to do this fart song, even though I thanked everybody already, but we just got to do it because it's, it's the habituation room and we have to do it. Charm Chaos, resubscribing with Prime. Thank you so much. Subscribe for three months. Says Woohoo, if the GOP only knew. Mini Mud, 1991, subscribing uh, for one month of tier one. And then this is back from Friday. Just Czar resubscribed for one month of tier one. Subscribe for 25 months. Thank you. Saying even a 500K year, yearly salary is insane for some people. I think we were talking about taxes. Holy Beer Dragon, resubscribe for one month of tier two. Subscribe for 22 months. Hey, Franny Fio. Glad to be here and get a g- g- dose of good spirit. Aga, aga, aga. Glad to have your spirit, friend. Um, and thank you um, to the new patrons, specifically Elizabeth Altman, who upped your pledge. Thank you so much. That is really, really generous of you, Elizabeth. And thanks to producer Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to editor Andy Basoyan. Uh, we stream every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Follow the show on Twitter at Bituation Pod, on TikTok and Instagram at Franny Fio. Uh, again, I'll see you on Friday for the bonus, bish. And fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it.